0: Welcome to the official podcast for Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization. I'm Beth, aka Triumvir Clio. We're back for another book of the Iliad. When we last left off, the immortals were bickering, and the mortals were killing each other. Not much has changed. When book six opens, the mortals are still killing each other. Big Ajax, Diomedes, Uralis, Polypoides, Odysseus, Antilochus, Agamemnon, Laotes, Eurypolis. Their kills are all described in the first 35 lines of this book. The action slows down when Menelaus confronts Adrastos. Menelaus captures Adrastos, and Adrastos pleads for his life. He tells Menelaus that his father is rich and will pay a large ransom, and Menelaus is thinking that this is a pretty good idea until big brother Agamemnon shows up and convinces him otherwise. And the two brothers kill Adrestos together, because the family that kills together, i um, not sure i know that sentence, gets cursed together? Meanwhile, on the Trojan side, the seer Helenus tells Hector that he should go back into the city and tell the women to go to Athena's temple and pray. Hector fights a little bit longer, but then he does this, is told, Back on the battlefield, Glaucus on the Trojan side meets Diomedes, who you'll recall is on the Greek side. Diomedes comments that he's never seen Glaucus before and asks who he is. Glaucus responds by telling the story of Bellerophantes, from whom he is descended. Diomedes figuratively smacks his head and says, dude, my grandpa knew your grandpa. We should be friends. And Glaucus replies, OMG, you're right. And they hug it out and go off to kill other people instead of each other. This interlude has given Hector enough time to get back to the gates. He goes to his mother, Hecuba, who asks him what's happened, why isn't he on the battlefield, and in another of those orality moments, he pretty much verbatim repeats what Helenus has told him. Hecuba gathers a group of women and they go and sacrifice to Athena as directed, and yes, this is another of those orality moments. The actions they take are described using pretty much the same language as the instructions they were given. And I'm sure it's no surprise to learn that Athena is not buying it. She will see Troy destroyed, no matter how many prayers the women of the city offer up to her. Hector's next stop while inside the city is Paris' house. Paris is busy cleaning his fancy armor, and Hector is not amused. He berates Paris for not being out on the battlefield. After all, this whole war is his fault, so he should man up and get out there. Paris whinges a bit, but he eventually concedes to follow his brother's wishes. Hector then goes to his own house in search of his wife Andromache and son Astyanax. In another of those dude-what-kind-of-nickname-is-that moments, Hector likes to call Astyanax Scamandrios. So you might see both names used, but they are both long names for a sweet little toddler. Anyway, Andromache isn't home, and a servant explains this is because she's gone to the walls to watch the battle. Hector runs after her. And we get one of the most touching scenes in this epic. Andromache weeps and shares her fears of what will happen to her should Troy fall. She begs her husband to stay within the walls where it is safe. And he does his best to provide comfort and tells her to be strong. Then he bends down to pick up his son, but the little boy is terrified by his dad's armor. Hector laughs and removes his helmet. Then he picks up a steinax and gives him a snuggle and hugs and kisses, and he tells the boy that he will grow up strong, which, of course, is not at all what will happen to him. He puts the boy back down and takes Andromache's hand. He again tries to comfort her, this time in that oh-so-comforting way of saying, "Kay, Sarah, Sarah. Let's face it. Dude is awesome, but he's no Doris Day. He puts his helmet back on and heads back to the battle. And Andromache weeps and returns home to weave and be a good wife and mourn for the husband that she knows she will lose. Paris catches up with Hector and the two brothers return to the battlefield. And that's the end of book six. We'll take a quick break and then come back for the analysis. like book six. I like it because of that last section, the scene between Andromache and Hector. It is probably the most beautiful part of this epic, and it hits on multiple themes that we see in the entire work. First up, fate. You may not know the fates of all of the players, but the ancient Greeks certainly did. Andromache is fated to a life of slavery, and Astyanax, well, he will be thrown from the walls of Troy when the city falls. Neither of these things occur in the Iliad, so they aren't exactly spoilers. But Hector has great faith in fate. He knows that he will die someday, but he tries to reassure Andromache that he will not die until the day the fates have in store for him. The future's not ours to see. Que sera sera. This scene is also one of the juxtapositions between war and peace that we see throughout the epic. There is a beautiful domesticity about it. There's the tenderness between husband and wife. There is the joy inherent in small children. Astyanax may be scared when he first sees Hector, but as soon as the helmet is removed, there is laughter. And despite the darkness that hangs over the family, it is a moment when they are together, exchanging their affections. The three are a microcosm that represents the entire city and what will be lost when Troy eventually falls. The scene also touches on the concept of honor and glory. Hector prays that a Steinax will grow into a strong warrior. We know this will not hap- happen, but Hector doesn't. He prays that his son will live a life of honor and glory before he himself goes back into the battle where he achieves his own honor and glory. And it is impossible to leave the scene without considering Andromache as a woman. She is presented as a good wife, a foil to Helen, and while she does as Hector asks and returns home to weave, which is what all good wives do, she does not follow his command that she not mourn him before he dies. In Andromache, we see the precarious position of all of the women of Troy and the future that lies in store for them. What do you think? There's a lot more we can talk about from book six. I've listed some discussion prompts on the blog, but of course you can share any thoughts that you have. The link as always is in the show notes. Next episode is on Monday with Aristophanes' Birds, and we'll be back for book seven of the Iliad on Wednesday. Talk to you then. You can join the discussion of this and everything covered in this podcast by following the link in my show notes. And if you're enjoying what you've heard so far, please consider supporting the show with a monthly donation of your choosing, just like public radio. And please also consider giving a five-star review on your podcatcher of choice so that more people can discover the fun that is Triumvir Clio's School of Classical Civilization.